Hi, my dudes. Welcome back. I missed you guys last week. Um, that's a lie. I actually was just so fucking sick that there was no goddamn way in hell that I was going to be podcasting. I was like on my deathbed last week. We have things to catch up on, but this is going to be a little bit different because I recently, was it yesterday? No, Sunday. It's currently Tuesday. Bug, you cannot be scratching my sound panels. That is really defeating the purpose of, like, why does she have to scratch every single thing? Anyway, my birthday was on Sunday, and I turned 29. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I thought you were 16. I don't know why I said that sarcastically, because people typically do think I'm usually, like, at this point in time, I'm getting, like, 20-ish. But, um, yeah, I'm 29. Bug is just really trying to be the star of the show right now. Are you going to sit on me? What's going on? For this episode and also the next one, because I think I'm going to split this in half because I'm so goddamn old that it would kind of be a lot to just do this all in one episode. But I want to do 28 things that I've learned in 28 years. So we'll do 14 today and then talk about some other shit. And then we'll do 14 next week. I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. I started kind of making a note on my phone yesterday and then I realized like I'm better just kind of going off the cuff sort of for the most part I do have 14 specific things which is like pretty organized for me if I do say so myself but as far as like explaining them we're just gonna see where that goes first of all I feel like I'm like I feel like I didn't properly say hello to you how are you doing I've been going through it health wise recently but we're fine what else I have a shoot after this podcast I have a dinner date tonight I'm way more mature than the last time you saw me or heard me because I'm 29 now. So as I was making this sort of list, here's the thing. I've seen these videos or you'll see like an article occasionally of like 30 things I learned in 30 years. And I just feel as though every time you watch one of those videos or read one of those articles, the shit that people say, it's usually like all pretty much the same, the same types of things. And it just doesn't ever, it never makes me think because they're also always things that I already know. I'm not saying I'm coming on here and I'm going to say some groundbreaking shit. However, I tried to think of things that, I don't know, I tried to put a decent amount of thought into it and also I was noticing after I wrote down a couple, I was like, this is supposed to be 28 things I learned in 28 years, but I was kind of putting down things that I've really learned recently, like within the past one to five years like so I was trying to also think of some things that like I learned when I was much younger too like I said don't think this any of these will be groundbreaking but my hope is that they will make you think because that's the thing it's like technically all of these things we probably all have known for the most part for a long time but it's like another thing to implement them into your life and abide by them we'll see where we end up who who fucking knows I could have like number 13 be like how to deep throat just kidding these are life lessons okay so without further ado here are 28 life lessons that i've learned in my 28 years on this planet actually this is going to be 14 and then it'll be 14 more in the next episode number one doing things the right way is less important than doing them for the right reasons so i've made a lot of mistakes as we all have and i'll make many more But the biggest mistakes in life that I have made, they're not the ones where like things went wrong. They're the ones where I forced myself or really pushed myself to do something for the wrong reasons. What I imagined was expected from me, from a parent, from just society, from a teacher, from whoever, what I thought would look best to the public 
what would be the most logical next step and that's only considering logic not considering anything else it's those times where like I didn't necessarily have the quote right reasons to do something that I feel like the the biggest mistakes were made in my life I guess I'll always maybe be working on this but I've definitely gotten a lot better at it in my mid to late 20s for me like what what gets me going in life what keeps me going and choosing decision choosing decisions okay redundant bitch considering what i'm gonna choose to do is a sense of curiosity i have an immense curiosity for life and this is gonna be different for everyone but for me it's like my sense of curiosity is enormous and i have a extreme passion for learning i've been thinking like maybe the last year or so because you know you have you have passions in life hopefully and I think mine have definitely changed at one point it was dance for a long time it was dance it's certainly my passions have changed but I realized that like the one thing that has always been very consistent for me that I've been passionate about and that anytime I have any sort of free time this is what I find myself gravitating toward and that is simply learning that could be reading it could be reading super dry to most people material but I really enjoy learning is my passion and I don't care how that sounds that's just what it is and then aside from those things aside from curiosity and my passion for learning the other things that keep me going and that dictate my decision making are I have a deep desire to help others I think we have many purposes and I think a lot of times when we feel lost and times when I've been like clinically depressed, it's like the thing that's I'm lacking is my sense of purpose. And even if I logically know it, it's just something's not connecting and I'm not feeling it. But I've always felt that a one purpose that I have anyway, and I think one of my largest purposes is to help others. A lot of the things that I do in my just day-to-day life are driven by me wanting to help people and to connect with people and also to connect other people with each other, if that makes sense. So those things that I just mentioned are far more powerful drivers than doing something because it's expected from me or it seems like the obvious next step. I hope that made sense. This is where it's like, I tried to write this shit down, but I couldn't because I knew I could probably just verbalize it better but now I'm realizing probably should have just written some shit but you know what that's not mm -mm, that's just not how I am I'm never gonna be able to script a podcast or a video which is interesting because I'm quite literally a writer but when it comes to just talking I just kind of want to I just want to fucking talk okay and you're gonna listen sorry I don't know where that aggression came from okay so that was number one doing things right is less important than doing things for the right reasons number two this is surrounding friendship There are a lot of lessons we learn about friendship, obviously, in our lives. So on one hand, while I was like, how am I going to come up with 28 things? On the other hand, I was like, wait, I have so many more than 28. So this is kind of my consolidation of friendship lessons. This is going to sound dumb, but let me, I will extrapolate, okay? This literally sounds like a fucking Pinterest quote. Friends come and go, and that is all right, and that is good. Of course, we know this. Like, it's told to us since we're little. However... I I had my first actual friendship breakup where it was like, well, honestly, even still, nothing like crazy happened, but there was like a, we are no longer friends. Um, I had my first one of those when I was 26. I think that's a little bit old for most people to have like a, fr- a falling out with a friend. 
of course there were friends that I had like in high school and college and it's it's just more of like a slow fade but like I would still absolutely hang out with them if I were you know in the same vicinity as them it wasn't that it was like we are not gonna be friends after this it was so weird for me it was so confusing for me I felt like I should go and try to fix things even though to be frank it was the other person that sort of did just like did me very dirty to put it simply I guess and this is like I'm talking like this was like a close friend maybe because I was older when it happened it wasn't like a devastation for me and I was able to realize quite pretty quickly that you know the ephemeral friendships that last a shorter amount of time maybe a couple of years or even just like people that you meet for a day like there's been a lot of times where this happens to me often actually with what I do like at a shoot I'll meet new people and gravitate toward like maybe like me and one girl will gravitate toward each other and we'll be like tight for that day and maybe keep in touch but probably not just because there's that's just not really how life goes and it's like those friendships are just as important as the ones that last much longer or like that have lasted for years and they can be just as transformational as the long-term ones and so instead of regretting the loss of a friend i'm i'm just grateful that i gotta like have time with them in the first place and specifically this friend that i had a falling out with like we really i think needed each other at the time it was a very interesting situation we were in and i think if you followed me you probably know what i'm talking about and so I think we both leaned on each other and I'm just grateful for the friendship for the however couple of years that it lasted. As I get older, I value like the few close friends that I have above in the past where it was like I was everyone's best friend, you know, my whole life, like all throughout school, even in college. It was like maybe just because of my personality. I'm not quite sure, but like I feel like I was friends with everyone and like what almost just came out of my mouth was going to sound like a little bit delusional but like I don't think anyone could have had a bad thing to say about me because I I was just very I was I was friends with everyone and I was good friends with a lot of people and it was just a lot and honestly at the time it wasn't like draining or anything but I think the thing is like as you get older first of all you need more time alone your priorities are so much different it's not like you're in college and you have all this time to be constantly surrounded by people I was thinking about this the other day, how I was literally my whole life just always surrounded by people. And I'm like, maybe that's why I love like living alone so much. I don't know. Anyway, back to the friend thing. I thought about having the lesson be more of like the effort necessary to maintain friendships and something along those lines. But I think this lesson is more important for me. Also, just like friends are less of a priority at times in your life. And that's good. And that's normal and fine. I need to like lean back and chill okay number three honestly these are in no particular order but if they were i probably would have put this maybe at number one vulnerability and ego death are necessary in order to form and to maintain relationships of any kind when i was 19 i started a blog and it was called be vulnerable have joy with a semicolon in the middle and that is first of all that's that blog is really what's started my online presence because the blog at the time like in 2014 it blew up and I started posting like short little videos on there occasionally and so I would upload them to YouTube and then just embed them into my blog that blog really is like what started that it was what it was called it was called be vulnerable have joy and it was basically me just sharing a lot of 
fucking shit that I had not seen other people talk about or share. I was using myself, my name, my photos, my likeness. People knew that I was attached to this blog. I remember like around my college at this time, I think I was like a junior, everyone was recognizing me from this blog. It was just me being vulnerable. Now, that's obviously a blog and I'm talking about, you know, relationships here, but I always think it's interesting that like that was the name of what started it all and that's also been a very common theme the past 10 years on my social media, on YouTube. I've been open about things that I feel aren't talked about enough if I'm going through them. As far as the lesson goes, vulnerability and ego death are necessary to form and maintain relationships. This is interesting because vulnerability has been an intrinsic part of my character for as long as I can remember. Despite needing to, having to suppress my vulnerability and openness feelings growing up, I still that didn't like harden me. I remember like going off to college at 17 and like being able to be my full open vulnerable self and it's because it was innate for as long as I can remember and so this lesson is sort of more so something I've learned from observing other people especially those close to me. Most people are the opposite of vulnerable and it can be really scary and might even feel impossible or like very foreign and it can take and it usually does take something drastic to happen for them to be able to change that and for them to realize that it's very necessary to be vulnerable and to have the ego death. For someone who's naturally, whatever you want to call it, not a vulnerable person, it can take something huge to change it. And so I feel like for most of us, being exposed to the possibility of being harmed is pretty terrifying. That doesn't feel like a very safe thing. So we want to be, you know, we want to be pleasant and to act calm and to act unfazed and to be perceived as strong. But when we accept that we are all messy and we're all flawed and lost and scared and affected by things, that's when the real relationships can be, can only be born and maintained along these same lines. Maintaining a facade of any sort or upkeeping a reputation that isn't 100% accurate, which means no one's going to be able to ever do that. Trying to do that, spending so much energy and your entire life doing that is quite literally a ticket to just be trapped for your entire life and also unable to experience the breadth of all the emotions that a human can feel and experiences. Like you, you close yourself off from so from not just so much, but from the good stuff when you do that. And that's sad. And I think a lot of people maybe never learn this in their life. It's also just the cause of a lot of interpersonal struggle. When we feel like we have to maintain something and our image, our reputation above everything else, there's no ability for a real relationship to exist. And Posturing builds walls, like creating a persona to impress people or to shield yourself from pain is really what it all is. That greatly diminishes intimacy and 
authenticity. And so those two things are quite necessary for a relationship, right? And people generally will see through this and it pushes us away. You know, we all want to feel we are seen and we can also see the other person. And so it will really push someone away when they grow tired of not being able to really dig into your brain. for lack of a better term. And I also think you look like a fool when that happens. When we open up, we tell other people that it's okay to be themselves and to open up and to talk about the ugly and that can kind of start a chain that I that just needs to keep going. And I think if everyone on the planet was like this, that's maybe as close to any sort of like utopia as we could ever create we need food water and shelter to survive but also i would put up there food water shelter and connection and connection real true connection cannot exist without vulnerability on a soul level having experienced what it feels like to connect with someone on that level due to both of us being able to be vulnerable it's like i never want to experience a relationship where that's not present i never want there to be walls up i never want to feel like i'm talking to sleeping with you know living with whatever with a mirage i don't know it's just this one i could talk forever about i mean clearly i think it's important but for now we will move on because we're only on number three for number four i put don't assume malice there's something called hanlon's razor essentially don't attribute to malice and cruel intentions what may be explained by other motives or just ignorance i think we need to assume good faith in people i think honest mistakes happen everything boils down to asking the questions and if you do that you'll A lot of the times we realize that people didn't mean to harm us. And that doesn't mean they didn't, but there's a difference between someone hurting you and you being like, oh, they did this on purpose because they wanted to hurt me and they, they planned this and them genuinely not having bad intentions. So that's number four. I feel like I did another one, kind of a continuation of that one, but I can't really remember. And I literally did this like last night. So I really thought like, damn, I'll just, I'll tell some stories about each of these. It'll be good. If I did that, this would be so long. So I'm going to try and be brief with my words. Number five, suffering is our life force. When I reflect on my most painful experiences in life, I'm clearly able to understand the growth and the exact lessons that I learned during that time and my healing process. Like it's it's just very apparent to me that like suffering is such an important part of life. It's what breeds growth and development and maturity and wisdom and empathy. It is so important. I also will say ask people what the hardest thing they've ever been through was. This isn't to say like it's any sort of comparison game, but their answer will give you a lot of insight and who they are as a person, I think. I say suffering is our life force, and it is, but really just feeling in general. Anyone that men like to say that feelings are some sort of weakness or not necessary in certain situations or professions, what have you, that is so incorrect. (laughs) The only reason that we feel alive is because we are feeling emotions. I don't know at what point but there was a long time in my life where I don't want to say I tried to shut my feelings off but I kind of just was living in that mode and that is so so bad for you and everyone around you whether it takes 
a year or several years, like the feelings will always show up. And now, and for many years now, I embrace the whole range of my emotions and allow myself to feel them. It's difficult for me when someone, if I'm if I'm going through a hard time and someone's like trying to, you know, quote, cheer me up and they're just like, oh, just forget about it for now. Like, or they discourage me from crying or from feeling my emotions or like, let's just get up and go do something like that. That makes me very upset because it is so important to let yourself feel things. Okay, number six, chasing happiness, especially in the form of money or other physical goods or physical body, etc., will lead you to misery until you realize that happiness is the way. Not just realize it, but live it. Chasing money, chasing a physique, chasing a car, chasing, I was going to say a house, but like that's obviously important. Anything lavish, assuming that like once you get there, you'll be happy. (laughs) That's so fucking miserable. It's just so miserable. You cannot chase happiness. You have to literally live in it. And that doesn't mean you're always going to be happy. Like, fuck no, I'm not always happy. That's for sure. I'm not chasing things and trying to achieve something because I know that then I'll be happy. I do not do that. That's actually another thing that has kind of been in me since I was young. And this is something that I've sort of seen from others around me. Anyway, I'll keep that one short. Number seven, my fave number, live below your means. I'm telling you, these are going to be all over the map. Like, we got a finance tip now. Live below your means. Do not acquire debt. (laughs) I feel like my goddamn fucking father because he's probably the one that really instilled this in me from a young age. Live below your means. Do not acquire debt. Not only does this allow for a more peaceful present, whatever you're presently going through at that moment in your life, more peaceful. However, what I think is more important maybe is that in the future should something happen that requires you to take time off of work or you're you're just make you're taking a pay cut whatever it is you won't have these high or higher expenses that you won't be able to afford anymore and guess what then you are also acquiring debt which is was the number two thing that i said was bad like i said i've always known this i experienced i guess the benefit of me living below my means this year actually i started making real money when i was 25 not just making my rent like i had been for the previous however many years since maybe 19. you know i moved to la when i was 21 and i lived in a studio apartment i lived in a studio i moved again at like 24 but i lived in a studio for i think almost a full year after i had already started making real good money and then I just upgraded to a one bedroom. I remember I could have spent I think 10 times more on my rent at the time. I drove a Honda Accord, a 2012 Honda Accord until this year, until January of this year when I bought my Tesla. On top of that, I I don't spend money on like, I was gonna say dumb shit. It doesn't have to be dumb, but like I don't don't buy things that I, I don't need for the most part. This year, not only did my income like drastically decrease because of me not being able to work in the way that I once was. I then I had to really prioritize my physical and mental health for several months and I could not work as much as I was even even after I couldn't work as much as I was if that made any sense. And so I had to really prioritize that and I've had, you know, those savings from 25 to 27 28 really helped me and there were a lot of medical expenses during that time and 
So I'm having to pay for those, obviously. But then also there's, I'm not working as much. And because of what I do for work, like, it's not just like taking off a week and then getting back into it. It's like you take a huge, huge, huge hit when you don't stay consistent. And so when you're barely scraping by, I know it's, it's so scary and so unsettling constantly. And even, even then, like I still found a way to live below my means. And I live in Los Angeles. I had a 325 square foot studio apartment for the first two and a half years living here, I think. And then like I had a 400 square foot studio for another, like my money went to surviving. And it's genuinely only because of that, that once I started making money, I definitely upgraded my life because to be honest, it just was not comfortable at all. And it, But it took me some time to to do that and to let myself do that because I do have like, I had, a, I had a lot of fear about like spending money on myself. I still do. It's weird. But because of that, the place that I live in now is currently, it's the most expensive place I've lived in ever. And it happened at not an ideal time because I had to take time and really focus on other things. And so because I lived below my means for so many years and saved, obviously didn't acquire debt. I'm not going to lie and say like, I'm not anxious about it all the time, but I know I'm okay. And I've been able to take time that I needed when I needed to. And this finance bro lesson is over. Um, Next, number eight, words are spells. Why do you think they call it spelling? Because when you speak words, you are casting spells or whatever you would like to call it. But words are more powerful than most of us realize. Things are spoken into existence, good or bad. They're also obviously powerful in terms of how we speak to other people and how that can stick with them and affect them either very negatively or positively. The words that you say and obviously even, you know, the thoughts that you think too are also important to this, but... When you verbalize something, you better make sure that like you want to say that because everything is spoken into existence. This is also something that I'm not going to say, like I I definitely still have to work on this for sure, especially because I have a lot of negative self-talk in my head. So I have to work on not verbalizing certain things. But I remember even being little and, you know, my mom being very anxious and being like, oh, we're going to be like days before a flight being like, we're going to be late for this. And like, what if we end up missing it? And then this happens. And and I remember just being like, don't say that out loud. And then it won't happen. And I don't know. It's something, words are just so fucking important. Words are literally spells. While it's like, we need to be careful. I think the cooler part about that is that words are spells. We can speak things into existence. That's so fucking cool. Number nine, experiences are far more important and valuable than things, which I know a lot of people say this and it's because it's true. And it's something that I've, again, always felt. I remember so many things growing up, but you know what I don't remember? Except for like a few exceptions, like I remember getting a Furby and I remember getting an Easy Bake Oven and you know, other like iconic things like that. But I remember all of the times that my dad took us camping or quadding or to like, we went on so many little trips, did so many fun activities, the traditions, just gosh, experiences are so much more valuable than any material thing. It's pretty crazy. I feel like when people say that, they're usually talking about like, you know, save your money to go on a vacation, not to buy this designer bag, whatever. But also just little things too. It's always the experiences that not only stick with you, but enrich you and fulfill you and make life enjoyable, actually. (laughs) Is this number 10? This one is very short. And honestly, I think I'm just going to leave it at what I wrote and not really expand on it because I think it kind of speaks for itself. 
But number 10, children deserve respect. Listen to them. I could really go off on that one. I think that's good enough. Number 11, because this is, you know, 28 life lessons I've learned, I thought, well, what about like lessons that I've learned growing up that actually weren't great and didn't serve me and I had to consciously unlearn them as I got older? I had to identify them in myself and I had to figure out where the fuck they came from, which is like a whole thing in itself. And then I had to consciously unlearn them. And guess what? I'm still fucking trying to unlearn a lot of these things, which is really fucked up. Okay. For this one, I wrote lessons that didn't serve me and I had to unlearn. Things like anger is unacceptable. Crying is weak. Arbitrary rules are more important than what your soul is telling you to do or what you feel makes the most sense for you or what feels right for you. Say you're sorry, even if you don't mean it. Just say you're sorry, fake it till you make it kind of thing. This is like a widely said thing. It's like never go to sleep angry or whatever. Make up before going to sleep. No, no, not all the time. Sometimes you need, first of all, timeouts are important, even if it's not bedtime. And sometimes you need to time out and it happens to be bedtime and you can really fucking benefit a lot from sleeping and then talking about things. Let's not escalate the problem further. <laughs> I just think that's such a stupid fucking saying and it just needs to go away, okay? Sometimes, sure, make up before going to sleep, but sometimes go to sleep. I'm just saying. Is this 12? Why did I stop numbering them after four? Like, why did I do that? Number 12, standing up for other people who cannot do it themselves, or maybe they're not around to do it, can have an impact that is so large you would be astounded if you knew or if you do find out you'll be astounded standing up for people something again that i have intrinsically done since i was a child we had like a family journal growing up for a few years where we would sort of like i think we would each get it for like a week and then we'd pass it to someone else and i was about like four or five during this time so i was young but i wrote in it trust and believe i wrote in it a couple years ago i went home to visit my parents and i found it and i was reading one of the entries that my dad wrote i was four at the time and it was basically him telling a story about how he witnessed me like standing up for this boy who was like being really picked on by other kids. He just like went on to say that he's noticed that is something that's in my nature that he really loves about me. Now, there is a specific story. Also, there, this is just a pat. Honestly, it's very weird. People in my life, sometimes, not everyone, tend to actually get angry about this, which is interesting. For example, I tend to just instinctively defend even strangers. So if I'm with someone and they're like, for example, like, what is that girl wearing? That girl looks crazy or like that guy looks whatever, whatever it is. I will always be like, I mean, she probably likes it. And so it's probably making her happy. Who cares? Why do we need to comment on it? And I just always instinctively do that. And it tends to really anger people. I think because, well, I think that they just don't anticipate being called out like that. And it kind of makes them look like an asshole, which it's not my intention to do that. I'm just like, hey, maybe not. Maybe let's not say that. It tends to anger people. But that's something that I'll always do. However, on a more serious note, um, when I was in high school, I was probably 15 or 16 when this happened. And I don't remember it happening, but when I was 18 is when I found out about this happening. <laughs> Sorry, did that make any sense? This happened when I was like 15 or 16. And then when I was 18, I was told about it by my dad, who let me know that a girl's mom, a girl who was in my same grade in high school i actually went to church with her i think this happened at church or something this girl's mom told my dad i just want you 
to know and if you want to let Annie know, which by the way, I went by Annie growing up. Please never call me that. That's not a thing anymore. Okay. She told my dad that I guess at church there were people saying some pretty like hurtful things to this girl while she was there. Like we were all in the same room. And then I guess the people that were talking left the room and it was me and this girl and maybe another girl she was like they just like don't like me i'm doing a horrible job of telling the story but i think i said something like they're genuinely just like mean kids like they say mean shit to me all the time trust me like how could anyone not like you like you're so kind and like you're so whatever it is that i said i I basically just was like no 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 like they're like that to everyone and how could someone not like you and she was like this she was a really sweet girl she was like i think she was like in marching band or something i don't remember i was like no there's there's no reason for them to not like you i did a horrible job of telling that mostly because i don't remember this incident happening but this girl told my dad who then told me that this girl actually was really not doing well mentally. And I actually would have never guessed that because she she was very upbeat, very positive, but she was not doing well. And she had been journaling, I guess, about wanting to end her life just the morning that this happened. And she was feeling, I think she had just moved to our city like within the last year. And she was having a hard time sort of feeling like she fit in and everything. And she was just, you know, having a hard time. I guess somehow, even though what I said was like not anything crazy at all, it it made her not end her life. Or at least it was the thing that stopped her in that moment. And I just, I don't know, I guess her mom was really, you know, crying and talking to my dad and saying like, just like thanking me, essentially. My dad told me, that to me and I was like wow I don't even like it was so insignificant to me that I don't even remember this happening like I said standing up for others can have an impact that is so large like you would be astounded and that's how I felt I felt like wow that was so simple for me to just say that to her going back to the other one words matter words are spells you know so yeah a lot of these can be attributed to you know just be kind but I think a specific thing is like it can really really make a difference if we stand up for for someone who just isn't being treated well. This might have to be the last one, which is annoying because I was going to do 14, but the last two are a little bit longer. Number 13. I'm trying to see what the actual lesson is here. I think the lesson is to remain soft. The first sentence that I wrote is not the lesson, but I wrote that some people are actually evil and their actions have the ability to totally if not destroy you they can totally taint you and make you cold or hard or jaded untrusting so many fucking things in those situations i think we need to remain soft and remain i don't know love for lack of a better word i'm not saying to the person that's wronging you that's not what i'm saying to remain soft and to remain kind and open after being treated in inhumane horrendous ways whatever it is like enduring abuse it could even be small things you know even like getting cheated on that can really obviously taint someone things like trigger warning rape assault abuse i'm not saying to remain soft with whoever did that to you but to not have hate for the world after that i think is so important because those people who do experience horrible things and instead of remaining soft they just hate they just have hate those are the most dangerous people in the world continuing to just be someone who you hope to come in contact with you hope that more people can be like kind and 
because you can kind of go one of two ways, right? After something horrible happens. And also, I personally, kind of going back to how suffering is our life force and emotions are our life force, feelings, um, because love is one of those, love is also like a feeling of sorts. It's more than that, but you know what I mean. I would a thousand percent rather risk being hurt again than to never put myself out there again or to be apathetic let alone angry i would rather keep putting my same and best kind soft self out there even when i have been given reasons to believe that the world is shitty than have to go around thinking the world is shitty and being angry or apathetic whatever it is i do not remain naive that is for sure trust and believe that one i do stay very open and I don't let a shell build up when things happen. I make sure and I heal when it comes to people. You know, I give each new person the benefit of the doubt. I think that's also, this is also a very important one because like I said, it's the people who have horrible things done to them and then choose the opposite route on a more extreme end. Like these are the people that literally are mass shooters, serial killers, like they've been hurt so deeply and that turns into rage and anger and disgust and hate for the world. And so I think those are the most dangerous people on a less, you know, severe note. Like no one wants to be around someone who's mean or negative or not trusting when there's really no reason for it or has their guard up. Like I feel as though a lot of these kind of go together in a sense. I think that probably means that they're all important because there's kind of a common theme throughout this. Okay, I've been talking for so long. It got dark outside. So apologies if the lighting changed. Um, we made it through 13, so we'll just do the next 15 next week. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was like chill and more serious, but I don't know. I wanted to do it. And I thought instead of YouTube, I'll just do it for the podcast. And yeah, let me know what you thought. Bye.